So I have my first zit in 17 years. I scratched at it and now it's bleeding. No, you didn't. <laughs> did. What did you get it from? Did you I, eat pizza or something? Oh. <laughs> Hi, Ellen Mars. Hi, my prepubescent Patricia. Please don't be distracted by the blood flowing down my cheek. You know, that actually I've never thought about. If you shaved your beard, would you have clear skin? You yeah. don't. I have really good skin. I had bad skin all through high school, but then I then I had really good skin. I never have even thought of that because you have a wildebeest's beard, but yeah. like you have good skin. Baby's bottom up in here. Baby's bottom. Never thought of it. Did you did you pop it? Yes, I did pop it. Hey, are you sad that this is our second to last episode together, or have you forgotten already? Yeah, I'm the kind of person that's like, hey, when you leave, will you take that bag of your stuff? <laughs> that your toothbrush is in there. You guys, we did our first Instagram live with Joey last night. People were ready for me to go. They were like, <laughs> everyone is going on and on and on about how hot he is. I know. And I'm like, okay, but what? Is, okay, but I guess, okay, <laughs> I guess he is hot. Patrick FaceTimed me this morning and he's like, hey, morning, everyone likes Joey better than me. I, <laughs> I was like, you guys forget. She's still a delicate little She's flower. Delicate. Can someone please go in the Facebook group and say that I'm good looking? <laughs> You're so good. You guys. Watch your voice. I know. Everyone's very concerned about you. I was like, listen, Celine Dion, he is not. She's going to be okay. Look, I only got two weeks left, but join us on the Patreon, you guys. Every month, you get three full ad-free bonus episodes. Right now, we're doing Fry Thy Neighbor. Yeah. Oh, every <laughs> week, it gets crazier. It This is I know. crazy. This, I know. This show is crazy. This show is crazy. This episode that we're doing, like, why do people want to know their neighbors? Why do you want to live in a place where you have neighbors? I don't get it. I like having neighbors. I know, but, like, these people who live downstairs from you that you're friends with are outliers because you're difficult. And I can't. <laughs> I have not. No, I bet you're a good neighbor. I bet, like, you do things like collect the mail for people and stuff. I do. Even if they don't want Ellen, can we get our fucking yeah. mail back, please? Hold on. I've got the L.L. Bean catalog. I'm just thumbing through it. No, neighbors are terrifying. <gasps> but we also covered, what did we cover? Who the bleep did I marry? Snapped. Evil lives here. See no evil. See no evil was the one where they solved murders by like the surveillance camera. Yeah, that and shit then was evil crazy. lives here is the thing I'm still traumatized and I'm in therapy about, yes, right? Yeah. Know. Okay, great. great. <laughs> so anyway, that's it. One more week of me. Aww, I know. This I- feels weird. Everyone keeps saying end of an era and I'm like, she's not going anywhere. You guys, I'm going to be popping. They're going to be in the recording while I'm like out in the office doing work for the network and I'm just going to pop in and be like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go here anymore. You don't hey, go here. Hey, that girl's hair looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep trying to do like old <laughs> jokes. You're like, I'm sufficiently joined. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Season six, episode 13, Long Lost Love, tells the story of the disappearance of Bob Herod. An 81-year-old reunites with his first love. In 59 years, I never, ever forgot about Bob. Before the celebrations begin, the unthinkable happens. If Bob were not back by the next day, we knew we were going to have a big problem. As police sort through clues, various possible motives emerge. She was taking financial advantage of my father. Deeply dividing those closest to Bob. A lot of that is a source of animosity in the family. Turning an amazing love story into a baffling mystery. You just don't expect you're ever going to go through something like this. It's an absolute horror. 
Hey, girl, you remember love. Have you ever experienced love? Yes. Okay. I have been in and around love several times. <laughs> this whole episode is about these old people reconnecting, and I have about a thousand questions. Yeah. But it's really sweet. Do you think they're soulmates? No. What is the answer to that? <laughs> soulmates are a real possibility, and maybe that's that. Do you actually believe that? I would million percent believe No, that. you. I don't believe you do. Soulmates aren't real. Do you believe in heaven? I believe in the proximity theory. I don't believe in heaven, but I do believe that, like, dead people are floating everywhere, and they're sitting, and they're watching us, and they're laughing at us. Wait, do you remember when we lived in the little building? What was across the street from the little building? That was our college dorm. That was the Boston Common? No, right across from the little building, what was there? The Boston Commons. The cemetery. <laughs> that is in the Boston But Commons. we literally looked out to a cemetery. You mean to tell me that the little building was not haunted? The little building was haunted as fuck. I totally agree. Why are we talking about ghosts? I'm, because you don't believe in love. July 27th, 2009. Bob Harrod is up and moving with the morning. A sprightly 81-year-old living in Placentia, California... He's got a big day ahead of him. Bob's getting everything ready for the arrival of his new bride, Fontel. The two were married just one month earlier in an incredible story of lost and found love. This guy Bob is a billion years old, but they say Bob Harrod is up and moving with the morning. He's a sprightly 81-year-old living in Placentia, California. Now, do you remember when we promised that when we moved to the old folks' home, we would have adjoining rooms? Yes. Okay. Can we say old folks' home? Sure. Okay. Uh, wait, I just... I, I <laughs> We can't say anything. I, I don't know. I just want our suite to be lovely. But he says he's a sprightly 81-year-old, which yeah. I imagine me to be... I imagine you to be something different when no, we're 81. I... You're right. I probably will sit a lot. Like a like a lethargic 81. <laughs> but like jolly. He's totally. lethargic but jolly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like easygoing 81-year-old. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Also, we're not sharing a bathroom in this situation, right? That is the dumbest question. Because <laughs> okay. boys are disgusting. It doesn't matter what their age. Yeah. They still have pubes. They're just probably gray by then. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Dad first mentioned Fontel to me in December of 2008. He had told me that they were engaged some 59 years previously when they both lived in Missouri and that he wouldn't know how to get in touch with her. I tried to look Fontel up on the internet to no avail because she'd obviously been married and you can't find somebody unless you know their name. Look, it's a big day for Bob, you guys. He's getting ready for the arrival of his new bride, Fontel. Go off, you old man <laughs> Casanova! Listen, I... I do believe in love, and I do believe in finding love in your 80s, because by the time you're 80, yeah. you've already, like, you know, accumulated wisdom sure. and experience. Seems like this is a setup for a joke. No, I'm just saying, if you're brave enough to yeah. still try and find love, I say go off. Steve and I will still be married when we're in our 80s. Okay. <laughs> You will for sure piss him off before then. I love being married to Steve. That's all I'm going to say. So we meet Paula. She's Bob's daughter. All of his daughters are here. She's the only one whose name I wrote down. No, 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 no. Two out of the three. There's oh. a suspicious missing one. You're right. You guys, I've, I've got a lot of questions for these daughters, and I'm sorry. Like, if you're listening, I'm, I'm sorry that your dad is missing, but I have a lot of questions for yeah, you. Yeah, let's hold them in suspense. So dad first mentioned this woman, Fontel, to her in 2008, and he tells her that the dad and Fontel had been 
engaged 59 years ago when they both lived in Missouri. And Bob's wife, Georgia, we'll learn more about this later. Georgia has died. And he's like, wants to reconnect with his first love. Yeah, which is really sweet. And Paula like does a quick, you know, Google search. Clearly she's not very good because she didn't find her. I can find anybody. (laughs) Trust and believe. Give me five minutes. But, you know, she was like, she's been married. She probably changed her name. But it turns out five months later, Fontel and her daughter found Bob. Which is so crazy. Like, it's all meant to be. You're telling me that's not some soulmate shit? You're telling me that's not cosmic in some way? No, that's one person was better at sleuthing than the other. It has nothing to do with soulmates. They're both looking for each other within six months of each other. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty, the odds of that are very low. It's called the coincidence. Okay. By complete coincidence, five months later and 1,500 miles away, Fontel, with the help of her daughter, tries to find Bob. Says that he's 80 years old. Do you think that that could be him? And she succeeds. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Before I could say anything, she had dialed the number and had it stuck up to my ear. And uh, a man answered. Hello. And uh, I said, is this the Bob Herod that was raised in McFall, Missouri? And he said, yes. Yeah, and even Christopher says, by sheer coincidence. Yeah, yeah. But, oh my God, Fontel and her daughter are looking for Bob. They find him. Then, bada bing, bada boom, Fontel is here. Did you ever watch the Fontel Williams show when you were when <laughs> I actually were loved Fontel Williams. <laughs> I also love that in Fontel's telling, her daughter, like, forced the phone into her hand. <laughs> and then Bob was like, I've never stopped looking for you. I and know. I was like, well, clearly you did, because she found you, dude. So. Yeah, and when we get the story about how they ended up losing each other, I got a lot of questions yeah, for Bob. Yep, yep, we'll get there. <laughs> so they talk for about an hour about how, you know, they met in Missouri and when they met, and we learned that Fontel's sister, Rosemary, wanted to go on a date, and right. she's like, but it's a double date. Will you just come and, like, <laughs> hang out with this guy's friend for me real quick? Which I would... Never do. You would never do. I would would totally do that. I would go on the adventure of a blind date if I were single. Absolutely not. I would literally rather stay home. I could think of a thousand things that I would rather do. I would would rather clean the Grand Central bathroom with my tongue (laughs) than go on a fucking blind date with someone else. Yeah. I mean, you've been burned. I mean, your average is low for like successfully (laughs) navigating the relationships. So I get it. I I totally understand. Okay. Plus, you're hot. Like, you don't need to go on blind dates. The reason I want to go on a blind date is that I find somebody who's, like, way hotter than me who I trick into liking me because of my personality. That's called catfishing. There's a whole TV show about it. <laughs> oh, but she also says that when they met for that blind date, she said, it was like I looked all the way to his soul when I looked into his eyes. That's some soulmate shit, Ellen. No, it's not. Look, just because it's not for you doesn't mean you and I both suffer from that thing where, what's that thing that tastes like soap? So the cilantro yeah, thing? You know, people don't believe that that's true. People think we're just being picky. Right, but that's science. <laughs> is it? Yeah, soulmates are not science. But what if it is, like, what if it is for me? You <laughs> met Steve on Match.com. <laughs> but I'm saying, that doesn't mean he's not my what if, soulmate. What if your soulmate? Fact, that, that blows your, your proximity theory out of the water. Why? Because he internet are bringing the soulmates together. You no longer have to live down the street. No, then the proximity theory doesn't count because you guys are looking for each other. Absolutely not. (laughs) Go go play hide and go fuck yourself. Absolutely not. I met Bob in late summer of 1949. A friend of my sister Rosemary needed a blind date, so she asked me if I would go. I told her yes, I would. 
So it was later that day, Bob came to the house. It was like I looked all the way to his soul when I looked into his eyes. So they meet, they fall in love. Also, we see this adorable picture of Bob, and he's in a top hat and like a tie. He was kind of a hottie back in the day. Yeah, and he totally looks adorable. They fall in love. He proposed. Their families loved each other. But in June of 1950, Bob joins the Marines, and he's stationed in California. But this is so weird to me. Like, Fontel tells us she tried to stay in touch. Like, I don't understand. You have a fiance. There should be like, I'll call you when I get there. And it seems like they missed that step. So he goes to California. She's writing to him. He doesn't respond. She just decides that he changed his mind about her. And they both move on and marry other people and have full long lives. Right. So I thought it was like a mutual ghosting of each other. And she's like, LOL, keeping the ring. Yeah, she was writing letters to no, him. No, but this is what happened in my side. Googing, which not mentioned in the episode, her letters kept getting returned. <gasps> so she didn't know what was going on. Can't she just call the Marines and be like, my fiance? I mean, like, good luck. It was 1950. Like, how do you track someone down? When They're did like, they invent electricity? Like, uh, like three years ago. Okay, so it was before electricity yeah. and phones. Okay, all right. No, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, whatever, she kept getting the letters back. So she's like, I guess we're broken up now? I kept thinking, like, how did nobody write the movie about this? Because also, Christopher gives us no information. All we know is that she wrote to him, he never wrote back, they married other people and moved on with their lives. And I was like, what? Yeah, and she was just like, so long, sucker, I got your ring. I know. And she kept the ring. She held on to it forever. I know. Like the heart of the ocean. Yeah. Sing it, Ellen. <laughs> it, wait, like they did in the Titanic party? <laughs> Every night, night in my dreams, I, I see you. So we fast forward half a sen. <laughs> Both are widowed and they want to reconnect. You know they have dating apps for old people? They do? Yeah. Are you on them? No, it's one of them's called Stumble. <laughs> Get it? Bumble. But for old people but who old fall people, a lot. Stumble, Get it? I guess Stumble. Or Timber. <laughs> like instead of Tinder. I thought of those all wow. by myself. Oh, wow. Get You're, it? Um, wow. But up, up. Yeah. Joey! <laughs> <laughs> I was anxious when the airplane landed. I wanted to see Bob, and yet I was kind of afraid too because I was older and, of course, didn't look anything like I did when I was younger. I wore the pink jacket so I would stand out in the crowd and he wouldn't have any doubt as to who I was. There she is. God, it's been ages, huh? So, you know, they reconnected on the phone. They stay in touch over two months. And then she goes to see him. And this is maybe my favorite part of the whole episode. I know. Because she's nervous that she won't be pretty enough. I know. So she wears a pink jacket. But then she gets to the airport and she sees his old ass. And she's like, didn't have any hair to speak of. But he still had his smile. And he still had all his own teeth. That surprised me. But he said, I'm bald. And I said, well, I said, I've still got my hair, but I've got false teeth, so it kind of evens out, doesn't it? You didn't have any hair to speak of. Yeah, and so she, like, felt better. And so Bob was like, hey, I'm bald. And she's like, but you got your teeth. And <laughs> this then, is literally what happened. And then she's like, but you know what? Funny story. I have my hair, but I got fake teeth. So let's high five it out. Want to high five it? Oh, my God. Old people in love are adorable and disgusting. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
So Bob introduces Fontel to his three daughters, Roberta, Julie, and Paula. More on that later. Can I just say Paula goes, I went to visit them. She was pleasant. I went, oh shit, Paula. It was like the most pointed pleasant. (laughs) Totally. I was like, oh, Fontel and the daughters aren't being interviewed together. What Uh, happened here? Yeah. She was straightforward. That's what she said. Could you imagine someone being like, oh my God, tell me all about your new mother-in-law. Well, she's pleasant and straightforward. Straightforward. That's like somebody being like, tell me about Patrick. I'm like, he's punctual. Which I am. Which you are. Which I fucking am, by the way. Oh, uh, if he's late, he's dead. Oh, anyway. God, true. Bob's daughters welcome the change in their father who had been grieving for his wife, Georgia, since she passed away in March 2008. He lost a lot of weight because he just didn't want to cook for himself. And um, he just didn't want to eat much. He seemed very depressed. And he would break down in tears. And it was very difficult because he just couldn't talk about it. This is where we learned that his wife, Georgia, had died in 2008. And she's saying, like, he was depressed and sad and he wasn't really eating. And, you know, but Fontel, they say, rescues him. Yes. I think he wasn't eating because he's a male lion. But he didn't know how to cook. Yeah. I had this. I had the same. Yeah. If he were to die, I would starve to no, death. No, I really believe that. That older generation. So if, if these people were alive now, they'd be pushing 100. Yeah. I really believe he probably didn't know how to cook. Totally. If totally. Steve died tomorrow, you wouldn't know how to pay your electric bill. That is true. I wouldn't know how to get into our bank accounts. Yeah. (laughs) Do we have any money? (laughs) And and they said they were like, he lost weight from grief. I was like, nah, babe, he lost weight because he couldn't cook. No, Bob was hungry. Yeah. He just didn't know where the food was. (laughs) Poor Bob. Bob. What do we keep in this big white box in the kitchen? (laughs) Let's say that's cold. (laughs) That's cold in here. I'm just a male lion. I can't do anything. Rawr. Fucking male ass, you bitch ass lions. Ugh. If I came across a male lion in the wild, I would fucking punch it in the throat. <laughs> that male lion would smell you at a hundred feet away yeah. and turn and run I'd for be its like, fucking she's, life. She's trouble. Totally. I'll be like, come back here, you bitch. This is from all the lionesses. <laughs> oh, punk ass bitch. Fontel seems to have rescued Bob from this dark place. And on the sixth day of her visit, he proposes to her for the second time. He said, what would it take to get you to stay here with me? I said, the only way I'd stay here is if we were married. And he said, well, will you marry me? I said, yes, I will. So you guys, on the sixth day of Fontel's visit, he fucking proposes to her. And look, time is of the essence, okay? I mean, I was like, who is he, you? I know. Can we wrap this up? <laughs> we're married now, we're married now. Yeah, and Fontel was like, I th- I kind of thought he was half joking, but she was like, yeah, okay. But then the funniest part is they go to apply for their marriage license, and I said, the clerk, realizing there might not be a whole lot of time here, says, hey, do you guys want to get married right now? Then, as in right now. It was so adorable. <laughs> Although Bob's family is excited at the prospect of his newfound happiness, they are startled by the news. We want our dad to be very happy, but at the same time, you know, we warned him to just take your time to get to know this person. You have been away from this person more of your life than you ever spent with her. Do you really know each other? Now, his girls were happy, but also like, 
Startled? Well, Paula was like, do you really know each other? And I was like, put a sock in it, Paula. They're in their 80s. They're happy. Get off their back. We're going to learn in a little bit. Bob has some money and everybody fucking wants it. Yes. And like when it comes down to that shit, it makes me crazy. Uh, Yes. Uh, Yes, we will get there. I'm just saying when you know your days are numbered, you'd probably change your perspective a little bit. I agree, but I also think that like maybe the daughters had like done the math in their heads and now there's another mouth to feed. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So Fontel goes home for three weeks to pack her shit. Remember, like, they're married and she's going to, like, move. She's, like, moving her entire life now to, like, live with him. And she was supposed to come back on July 29th, which was going to be the one-month anniversary of them getting married, which I was like, oh, my God, they've been married for a month, but they've only been in each other's presence for, like, a week? Yeah. Listen, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs said your time is limited. (laughs) Don't waste it. Oh, poor Steve Jobs. He did it. You nailed it, Steve. I freaking love Steve. I could sit in bed and read Steve Jobs quotes every night and just live a happy and content (laughs) life. Who am I? Where did a hot cougar summer go? But I want it back. Oh, God. I don't like this Ellen as much. I'm going to take off my pants here in a minute. Sorry. (laughs) As her departure date approaches, Fontel continues to talk to Bob every day. I called him twice a day. I would call him in the morning and we would talk. And then I would call him in the evening, every night at 10 o'clock. But two nights before her flight, Fontel has trouble reaching Bob. I tried to call Bob Monday evening, and I didn't get an answer. So we learned that, you know, while she's home, they talk twice a day. She called him every morning and every night at 10 o'clock. And I said, 10 o'clock, are you on cocaine? (laughs) (laughs) 10 o'clock? beauty of being old was that you got to sleep all the time. Yeah, no. Don't you go to bed at 8 and sleep until noon? He's like, call me by 10 because I'm heading to the Piggly Wiggly. (laughs) Well, but this is the thing. She calls him on that Monday night and he doesn't answer. She assumes he's at the grocery store. And I was like, this is the daily 10 p.m. call? You think he's at the grocery store at 10 p.m.? What is wrong with these people? There's nobody at the grocery store at 10 p.m. Are grocery stores open past 5? Fontel keeps trying without luck. She's about to call Bob's daughter, Julie when the phone rings. So I went and answered it, and it was Julie, and she said, Fontel, daddy's missing. So she waits 20 minutes and calls back, no answer, and she keeps calling. And at this point, I'm pretty sure she has, like, PTSD from when he oh ghosted God, her I back know, in the Marines. I know. She's like, not again. No, But then, like, as she's, like, contemplating what to do, one of his daughters calls her to say that he's missing. Right. That night, everybody is trying to reach him. And daughter Roberta calls the police for a welfare check, which they go, and they got in, and he wasn't there. What he wasn't they at home. They're like, there's no sign of a struggle to which I said, please remember everybody, it's on you to indicate if you've been kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't kick over a vase, nobody's looking for your ass. You guys need to put a vase in a kickable spot. Yeah. You gotta put a vase by the door where you can kick that shit on the way out. <laughs> Whether you're zip tied or not, put a vase by the door. Please don't. Please don't touch that. No, that's my kicking vase in case I get kidnapped. Someone puts flowers in it. Uh, can you not? That's my fucking kicking vase. Jesus. God damn it. Animals you around guys, here. get yourself a kicking vase. <laughs> what if people or do no that? Or no one's going to look for you. <laughs> and if you see, like, headlights coming up the driveway late at night and you're not expecting a guest, pre-break the vase so you don't have to create the struggle in front of the kidnapper. But then have you ever had Amazon come at, like, 9 p.m.? I'm saying better safe than sorry, Ellen. No, you're right. I'm trying I'm to save people. I'm just saying, and then it's Amazon, and they're like, Fuck. fuck. And the, the Amazon driver's like, did you 
break your did you break your kidnap vase again? Sorry. You did. And yeah. then <laughs> and then you go on Amazon and to buy order. Honestly, it's probably an Amazon conspiracy totally. at this point. <laughs> I'm telling you, get a fucking kicking vase, you guys. So we meet Detective Loomis of the, what is it, Placentia? Placentia. Placentia, California. Placenta, but with a fancy shaw sound? We went through this last time, and the editors had a field day with it. Oh, God. Pla- <laughs> Placentia. I think it's Placentia. Okay, Placentia. Well, I'm saying it different from you, but you're agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> Holy. Oh, I'm going to miss your snorts. You literally said it your way, then I said it different, and uh-huh. you said, yeah, and said it your way. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I live my life. Do your snort again. Oh, my God. Can we hear that snort in slow motion? What does this snort sound like in slow motion? Can I hear that? Wow. Wow. Okay. Are we ever going to get... How many times are you going to snort in this little tiny box? You know what? We never used to wear headphones and now we do. I think you didn't hear it as much before. I don't think I'm snorting more than usual. I think you're right. (laughs) Is Joey disgusting at all? I mean, we'll we'll find out. I guess we're going to learn. So I called the Placentia Police from Shawnee, Kansas at my daughter's house and I made a missing persons report. The next morning, a formal investigation into Bob's whereabouts is launched. The first thing we did was canvas the neighborhood. We went to talk to all of the neighbors on the street to see when the last time they saw Bob, what his demeanor was, try to get kind of a feel for what his patterns were. Back to Fontel. Listen, these people are aging by the minute. Fontel calls and makes a missing persons report. She's in Kansas. Don't ask me how that's able to be done because we know that doesn't always happen. Uh-huh. So the police go and interview the neighbors and the neighbors were like, he's kind of like Patrick. He kind of keeps to himself <laughs> and we see him out for walks. They say he would take a daily constitutional walk. I thought daily constitutional referred to poop. I did too. Okay. Yeah. What does it mean? Did you look it up? No. Okay. I didn't. When she said he would take his daily constitutional on a walk, I was like, are you getting things going? Yeah. Does he like poop in the woods? Isn't that why people drink coffee in the morning? Yeah. You don't yeah. have to walk for that. Yeah. No, I don't I don't know, but I thought the same exact thing. So what does that say about me? <laughs> Bob's daughters recount to police recent signs of Bob's mind beginning to slip. I would go down and see Dad at least once or twice a month. I could see he was having difficulty in getting his paperwork together. This is where the daughters say he was having some mental difficulties. He was struggling with his memory. He was repeating things. And one of the daughters was like, he didn't really like driving on freeways. He like refused to drive on freeways, according to the daughter. And they said he was like a homebody. Put a pin in that. Now, look, I will say as a person with like an elderly parent, it is hard to determine. Like there are days I'm like, my mom's having a really good day and she sounds great. And there are other days and I'm like, you just asked me the same question three times. I do that all the time. I know, but I, I it, to the daughter's credit, it, like they might just be erring on the side of like, we don't really know what's going on with our dad. But again, put a pin in this. We'll come back to it in a second. Right. So when the cops are there, they notice that Bob's car is in the driveway and they check his bank records and his credit cards, no activity. But the car is kind of an important thing because they're yeah. like, he couldn't have gone very far. Right. right. At least like how far is that constitutional? Right. Is he pooping in the woods? Yeah, he just he could be pooping in the woods. Can you go check the woods for me real quickly? Ugh. But yeah, the car being there is kind of a big thing. So they turn their attention to this 
quick engagement. I mean, it is a bizarre coincidence that, like, they just happened to get married right before she went home and then he vanishes. Right. And the papers and the news thought so, too. Well, they first of all, they latched onto this sweet love story, right? So, like, yeah, it was all over the news. I was surprised to see, like, all the news clips that I there were. I know. It yeah. was really sweet. And you saw them. You see this interview saying that even though she had aged, she was still beautiful. No, I thought that interview came off more like, I wasn't expecting her to be so old. Oh, I was like, Bob. No, I didn't see it like that. I thought they were really sweet. That's just because I'm like a glasses half full kind of person. And you're you're like, let me have the you're martini. You're right, glass half full, but no soulmates are heaven. Keep yeah. telling yourself that. <laughs> I, do you genuinely believe in, like really? Yes. Like you're not just saying this to come back. No, me. and I've said, this, believe- I've said this before. I, I genuinely believe in soulmates. I think that Steve is my soul, but like I think you can have more than one. Like I think Steve was my soulmate. I think that that hot blonde guy that I was with for on and off for two decades was a soulmate of sorts. I think Daisy is my soulmate. I think you're my soulmate in so, in the, in a way. Like that's how I think of soulmates. So there was like there's like a guy like there's like tri- let's say like King Triton. I'm not saying one person. I'm saying that like I think that you and I were supposed to know each other. I think that Steve and I were supposed to know That's each other. That's different than saying soulmates. Says who? You don't make the heaven All rules. right, we're making another podcast <laughs> where we just fight about soulmates for like two to three hours. Please subscribe imagine, and rate us on iTunes. Imagine a world where you and I don't know each other. That world is impossible. That's just the sliding doors of it all. What if What if I wasn't on the shuttle bus that day? You, we were... We what were, if I went to NYU? We like, were... Well... I got into NYU. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made the choice of being a big fish in a small pond versus being a small fish in a big pond. Probably. You know what I think about all the time, though? Your fucking ass ended up on Broadway. Like, of all the people that went to our college, I would say that the average is about .001%. <laughs> and you're in that. Go play the lottery. You did it. Miguel is Hamilton in Hamilton. I think he's doing a little <laughs> bit better than me. <laughs> Maybe, but like, I'm just saying. He's so cute. With Bob and Fontel's incredible story in mind, a new lead begins to develop. There was a possibility that Bob was contemplating having moved a little too fast with Fontel and that perhaps he was getting a little nervous about the prospect of really closing the chapter with his deceased wife, Georgia, by getting rid of all of her belongings and her effects in the house to make preparation for Fontel. So the police are saying that maybe Bob was having second thoughts, that he had moved too fast, that like the act of clearing out his like dead wife's stuff to make room for his new wife maybe was a little bit emotional for him. And they think maybe he took off somewhere to go clear his mind. Yeah. The cops are the ones that just told us that the car was in the driveway. This theory doesn't make any sense. Uh, But I do understand that like way of thinking that maybe he just panicked and maybe he just like walked off. Like he took a longer constitutional than normal. Remember Lily Aaron Yes. Do you? I do. She was the one that was, she was in the nightgown with the bunny. Look at you! You're adorable when you're smart. It's not long before they stumble upon a clue that seems to support their theory. Bob's white Camry was parked in the driveway. We gained entry into that vehicle and uh, we went into the glove box and we found an address. They look through his car and they find in the glove box there was an address written in like, you know that like old person writing? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's so cute. And there was an address of a couple who lived about 20 miles away and they're like, maybe he got himself to their house. So the police head there and they are not psyched. (laughs) You know who answered the door? Me. Yeah. The people are like, do you know what time it is? It is 9.30. It is 9.30. And that's an exaggeration. They've been asleep for three hours. Yeah. They were like, fuck, fuck, say! 9.30. And they were like, no, Bob 
isn't here, but we did see him a couple weeks ago when he brought Fontel here. The day they were married, they came here and whatever, we had a champagne or whatever. A four-way. And so they're saying that, like, <laughs> he, the, the cops are saying, like, well, wait a second. The daughters just told us he's so scared he never leaves the house and he doesn't drive on the highway. Yeah. So, like, are the daughters telling the truth? The seeds are being planted. Like, did the daughters have something to do with this? And they're trying to, like, I don't know. Maybe he just wandered off because he's old and crazy. Right. And then, more on that, yes. the detectives call Bob's doctor. Yeah. And the doctor's like, oh, Bob, you say? Bob's in great health. He's mobile. He's sprite. He's the in good shape. The healthiest 81-year-old I've ever seen. And so it, it's kind of like, again, the daughter's stories kind of seem to be bullshit. Now, I will say, my mother's doctors would probably say the same thing about my mother. Mentally or physically? Because I know physically she's... Physically, my mother's like, my mother can't move. But like mentally, like I've had conversations with my mother's doctor where I'm like, are we talking about the same person? Sure. You know, also too, like you go to the doctor when you're feeling sick and you get there and you feel 120%. <laughs> yeah. Pam, that's what Pam's superpower. Aww. You know what I mean? She can turn on the 120%. So I don't know. I think the daughters look a little suspicious, but I think that this information from the doctor is very interesting. Police deduce that Bob is taking time away to process his big life change and will reappear when Fontel comes back from Missouri. We kind of all purposed that if Bob were not back by the day that Fontel was due to arrive and begin her life with Bob, that we knew we were going to have a big problem. And we did. So the police are like, okay, well, if he reappears when Fontel gets back, then we know that everything was fine and he just needed a minute? And they're like, and if he doesn't, then we'll know there's trouble. So we're going to wait. Yeah, let's you all know do what? that. Let's all stop looking. We're just going to wait. Yeah. We're just going to wait. There's an 81-year-old out there without a car taking a super long constitutional. Yeah. We're going to wait. We're going to wait it out. Yeah, we're just going to You know wait. what? I have an idea. And everyone like gathers around in like a huddle and they're like, so... We're gonna wait it out. That's that's what we <laughs> oh, decided that's a to. Yeah, great idea. that's what we decided to do. Yeah, Carl, yeah. all in favor of waiting it out? Yeah, that's he's a- probably just doing the Constitution. Thanks. Okay, so that's that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> so it's July 29th. It's three days since anyone has heard from Bob, and this is the day that Fontel lands in LA. When I first got back here on Wednesday, the 29th which actually would have been our first month's wedding anniversary. The street was full of media people, and they just kind of bombarded me as I got off of the shuttle. We were just getting started again. No, he would not have left on his own. Fontel is Madonna. She is swarmed by the paparazzi. Yeah, all the news people come to her. Because, like, this is a big story now. Like, their love story had been a big story all over the news, and now his disappearance is a big story. And now he's gone, right. But here's the thing. No Bob. So then they huddle back, and they're like, plan B? Because that waiting thing <laughs> didn't pan didn't, out. That didn't work no, we're the gonna way. Look, now we're going to look now. We had initially hoped. And she gets to the house and she's like, well, look, his shaving kit is here, his toothbrush, his house slippers, just where he left them. Like, obviously he wasn't intending to not come back. So now they bring in a homicide detective, Detective David, and Detective David sort of pieces together Bob's last day. Bob was excited by all accounts that Fontel was planning to make his house their home, and he was trying to get little things fixed here and there. Bob's son-in-law, Jeff, was also there that day. He arrived in the morning to do handyman work, as he had often done in the past. 
And so at 9 a.m., his son-in-law, Jeff, had come by. We got eyes on Jeff. We got... We got to get eyes on Jeff. I'm going to give you a spoiler. Yeah. Jeff's not here. No. <laughs> okay? Which one is he married to, by the way? No, they also don't say. Wow. They don't say. one of, And one of the daughters isn't here. So put that, okay. put that all together. So Bob had a list of things that needed to be fixed around the house, which I have one of those, too. It's called a honeydew list. I had never heard of this until Steve started making them for me. Yeah, honeydew. <laughs> honeydew this, honeydew yes, that. Honeydew this, yeah. honeydew that. What are your honeydew lists, honey? It's like, clean up your socks. Yeah. Don't leave the wet towels on the ground. <laughs> Could you make the cleaning up after you just a little bit easier? Yeah. Can you at least rinse the Cosmo Teeny uh-huh. mug? I do. That shit stains. Ugh, mug, because I have it for breakfast. Very sticky. <laughs> Jeff left several times. Once was to go to a convenience store. The other two were to home improvement stores to get supplies for what he was doing. Jeff tells police that when he returned from a set of errands, Bob was gone. When Jeff came back from one of his errands, Bob was gone. And Jeff was like, well, maybe he went to an appointment. Nothing was weird, but he hadn't mentioned anything. But also the housekeeper, Agnes, was also there. And now Agnes has been with them for 10 years. Agnes is like strikingly beautiful. Yeah. Like it was like shockingly gorgeous. Yeah. So she comes at noon. Jeff isn't there. Bob isn't there. She knocks on the door. Normally, if Bob wasn't going to be home, he would leave the key in the mailbox for her. But there's no key in the mailbox, so she just sits there until Jeff arrives. Now Jeff arrives 15 minutes later, and according to Agnes, was a little bit shocked to see her. Right. And a little bit like, uh, what you doing here? Like a little concerned that like she was coming on a day that she wasn't normally supposed to be there. Right. And Bob hadn't told him. It's almost as though Jeff was up to no good at the house and didn't expect company. Oh! <laughs> also, this is a time where Agnes's spidey senses kind of go off for a yeah. number of different reasons. Agnes also strikes me as the kind who, like, you come over for coffee and she's going to read your tarot cards whether you like it or not. Her spidey senses might be a little overactive. Is oh! all I'm saying. <laughs> Why are you coming for Agnes? I love Agnes, but she seems to like to be more in tune than maybe she act like really is. Wow, okay. Agnes is okay. in the drama club at the five. <laughs> So she's really going to love this story. (laughs) But she was freaked out and she asked Jeff to check the house before she came in. Because she's got to clean this house and she's afraid she's going to find a body. Honestly. Yeah. And she's. Not like a body, yaddy, yaddy, like your ex-husband. No, a body. Right. Right. (laughs) Wait, it was from an old episode. A body. Agnes was surprised to hear that Bob didn't tell Jeff that she would be coming that day. As Jeff let her in the house she began to feel that something was very wrong. I uh, was really concerned at that point. I was afraid to go upstairs. I didn't want to find anything. So I asked Jeff if he would go upstairs and see Bob was there. Agnes waited at the bottom of the stairs while Jeff went up to have a look around. She's freaked out. She asked Jeff to check the house, and she's like, he spent a little bit too much time upstairs. Wait, you gotta focus on that, because she's like, I thought he was gonna go upstairs and come right back down, not having found him, but he was up there for like a couple minutes. Right. And so she's like, well, Bob must be up there. He must be talking to him. Jeff comes down, no Bob. Yeah. Jeff, what you doing upstairs, girl? Yeah, so Agnes just started working on the house, and Jeff kept doing his honeydew list. So Agnes says that she notices something strange. She goes up to Bob's room, and she He says, I have been cleaning this man's house and not once have I gotten to the house. For 10 years, you forgot the 10 years part. Wait, did I say 10 years? (laughs) I'm really having a go at it. So here we go. (laughs) Agnes (laughs) has 
Bagus. <laughs> so Agnes goes upstairs and she makes it a point to tell us, I have been working for Bob for 10 years and not once have I gone into his room and his bed has not been made. Yes. And Agnes goes up there and his bed is unmade, which brings me to a very important topic. Oh, shit. Here we go. I hate making my bed. Ah, uh, me too. Steve does I it every day. I understand the philosophy of making your uh-huh. bed. You know that philosophy that, like, if you start with completing a task in the morning, uh-huh. it's supposed to, like, set your day off, like, right? And I understand that. But I also once read a study that there is, like, bacteria in your sheets. And if you cover it with blankets, it can't breathe. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> Do you say I once read a study? Yeah. You're the weirdest hot person I've ever met. <laughs> no, but I did. I hate making bed. That being said, I love the feeling of a made okay, bed. I love on. the look Shh. of a made bed. <laughs> Since Jeff was the last person to see Bob that day, he's asked to come into the station for questioning. Do you have any idea what could have happened to Bob? Jeff says he wasn't at the house when Bob left and produces two receipts to prove it. We were able to corroborate it with some store surveillance. And uh, yes, his time is accounted for, but there's still windows of opportunity, if it were, for something to go wrong. So now it's Friday, July 31st, 2009. Finally, the police called Jeff into the station, and I'm like, oh, you finally decided to call into the station the fucking last person to see this guy alive? Yeah. And they, like, this is so infuriating, because he's like, he tells them everywhere that he's been, he immediately produces receipts. Yeah. Little sus. really excited. Real quick on the receipts. He's like, I was at the Home Depot, see? (laughs) See that? Remember the woman who produced that frosty thing from Wendy's? Yes, yes. And I was like, Bitch, you drove 70 to get to that Wendy's. Exactly. And the whole thing is the cops are like, so we corroborated it with surveillance video, but there are still periods of time where he could have done this fucking murder. So I'm like, so you didn't corroborate it with surveillance video. What you corroborated was that this guy could have fucking done this murder. Yeah. And they also make it a point to say that they searched Bob's house and they can't tell us what they found. I was like... Did you know you were coming to talk on a TV show where you tell us all the things about the person that's been missing? Why is this not an episode about the investigation of this guy, Jeff? You're saying his receipts don't prove that he didn't do it. His receipts prove that he could have done it. His receipts just prove that he bought some paint at Home Depot. And that there are windows of time where he could have fucking done this. Yeah. Where's Jeff? Which one of the fucking sisters is he married to? (laughs) 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 So they searched Jeff's car for forensic. Nothing... They They searched Jeff's car. They dusted for fingerprints and forensics. There's nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing happened in Jeff's car. And then during the interview, they want to make it clear that Jeff said he had nothing to do with Bob's disappearance. And I just imagine them being like, he said he's got nothing to do with it. (laughs) Can you make him pinky promise? Do you do you pinky do you promise? Pinky, yeah, I he's pink, like yeah. yeah. He said he pinky promised. So <laughs> is that? I guess we let him go then. I guess it goes. While being questioned at the Placentia Police Station, Jeff suddenly remembers a small detail that turns the investigation in a new direction. During Jeff's interview, he did mention that he felt he may have seen a vehicle similar to one that Josie was driving at the time, which was an SUV. 
And as he's getting up to go, he's like, oh, but, but I do remember one thing, actually, now, now, now that we're talking about it. He remembers seeing some suspicious SUV driving, like, slowly near the house on the day that he was working there. And he says, very similar to the kind that Josie drives. And I went, fucking. Who's huh? Josie? <laughs> I love it when they do this. They just drop a name that of someone we're supposed to know. And you know when people do that? They're like, you know, Bradley. And yeah. you're like fucking 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 who's Bradley who's Bradley and you think you've missed something totally my other favorite thing that that disappeared does sometimes is that Christopher will say the person's name but then the interview subjects refer to the person as the like by their job like they were told not to say the person's name right that is what happens here <laughs> Christopher's the only one who says Josie we find out she's a local hair salon owner and it's where Bob and his wife Georgia were clients for years and one of the daughters goes yeah I guess she was cutting his hair not that he had much to cut Roberta, did you open up a nice little umbrella for that shade? She's like, boop. Oh, he's missing. Where is he? Okay, Roberta. Bob's daughters first met Josie when she came to the memorial service to take their mother Georgia's ashes out to sea. Being an intimate group of people that we all knew, it was unusual when a stranger showed up and dad introduced her as he and mom's barber. But then we do learn that Bob and Josie were spending time together after Georgia died to the point where like they were doing a thing on a boat where they were taking Georgia's ashes to like drop yeah. them in the ocean. Fucking Josie comes and they're like having cocktails. Yeah, and Josie's like, hey, I'm here to pick up your mom's ashes. <laughs> She's shaking her boobies in yeah. case you guys didn't know what she was yeah. doing. And the daughters are like, aren't? you the barber they call her the barber I know, shop I was, owner like they I don't know. even want to call her a hairstylist they're like you aren't you the barber and she's like i'm the barber and the ashes batch i'm the ashes batch batch everyone's like and the thing what? is we see a picture it's very uncomfortable actually everyone's wearing black except for josie who's wearing like a floral print dress. yeah josie read the room girl. yeah yeah she's like hey you can basically see the flask sticking out of her bra. Yeah, it's so <laughs> uncomfortable. And then we go back to Agnes, the house cleaner. Oh my God. And she was like, actually, I remember when Bob told me that he wanted to date someone younger because he couldn't handle the idea of being with someone that might pass before Excuse him. Me, the language they use, he wanted somebody younger so they wouldn't die on him. Well, I just try and, I try and lighten the mood. But Agnes is here to spill the tea. I mean, that's why I date younger guys. I'm like, ugh, you for sure won't <laughs> die before me. Get over here, you cutie. <laughs> Then one of the daughters realizes that Josie was taking financial advantage of Bob, yeah. and this is real. This is daughter Roberta. Daughter Roberta was helping Bob with his taxes. Roberta is definitely the one who does the books. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and she was like, where is this money going to? He's like, ugh, don't worry about that. That's just my barber friend, Josie. <laughs> and daughter Roberta's like, come again? Bob's daughters believe Josie is interested in more than Bob's companionship. She was taking financial advantage of my father. I became aware of this when I was helping dad with his taxes. All of the sudden, there was exorbitant amounts of money going out to her. I was very shocked. This behavior seemed particularly unusual, considering how Bob normally handled his money. 
he was like giving her like tens of thousands of dollars. And somebody in the family goes, this was very unlike him. Number one, he would never loan money out to people who weren't in the family. And if he did loan money to a family member, it was documented with a specific interest rate. And I said, LOL, Bob, you do not want to forget your wallet around this guy. Bob, you interest charging bitch. Hey, Bob, can you cover me for dinner? I forgot my wallet. Yes, but it's going to be 8% yeah. interest. They're like, here's Bob. that $45 from dinner. He's like, uh-uh-uh. Nope. It is 52, my friend. It is 52 with the interest that you owe me. Yeah. And according to Roberta, he had like paperwork yeah. for people who borrowed like 50 bucks from him. Yeah. He, Bob. he knocked some kneecaps in his day, that Bob. <laughs> so in the show, they say that Bob had loaned Josie $15,000 a couple months after wife Georgia had passed away. I'm going to give you a spoiler that I was going to save to the end. Tell me. In my research... It looked more like $86,000. Oh, my God. So that's what I found. I was going to save that for the end, but, it, you know, who, we're, we're in the upside down today. I don't even know what we're talking I about know. anymore. But, yeah, it was $86,000. But the daughters do the right thing. They, they contact the Department of Elder Social Services, and they interview Bob, and they say he was being abused by this woman. Right, like kind of like old man grooming? Yeah. Like, would you call that grooming? Sure. But they say also he was of sound enough mind that there was nothing they could really do about it. Yeah. And Josie also was like, I mean, yeah, he gave me money, and he gave me gifts. Right. Okay. <laughs> what of it? And she says, quote, she paid him back on occasion. Yeah. She's like, I'm paying back when I feel like it. Do you have any more questions for me? I, I mean, know. she does get called into questioning. This is what one of the daughters refers to her as that barber woman. Right. <laughs> the more Bob's daughters learn about Josie and Bob's relationship, the more they suspect something fishy is going on. Now just before Christmas, after mom passed away, dad had loaned $15,000 to this woman. The daughters are saying the motivation for Josie to kill him is so she wouldn't have to pay back what she owed him. And the cops were like, girls, he wasn't making her pay it back. And like, what would her motivation, like, he's the goose that laid the golden egg. Right. Why would you get rid of that guy? This is where we learn, though, that Bob's got a couple more coins than everybody thinks that he does. Yeah, we learned that Bob was actually a millionaire, and one of the daughters says they were never allowed to refer to him by the M word. And it wasn't until their mother died that they started going through the books that they realized how much fucking money Bob yeah, was sitting on. Yeah, they were on. like, we had no idea. And they just say that he made good money, he saved money, he made some really smart, it's like the American dream, he made totally. some really smart real estate investments. Yeah. He saved his money, and like, we get this whole thing here, this is where the daughters the, make me we insane. Were we were talking about this when we both walked in, because we both yeah. were fascinated by this. In 1995, a trust created by Bob and Georgia named their children as beneficiaries. The three daughters felt that since their mother's death, Bob had not been keeping them apprised of how the trust was being managed. A lot of that is a source of animosity in the family because I don't think it was carried out the way it was supposed to be on paper. It's hard to understand in the show, but basically when the mom died, the daughters somehow got some legal right to be able to see what the dad was doing with the money, with his money. They told us that he was supposed to report to the girls regarding where their estate was, and yeah. he didn't do that, and they got pissed. And I, we couldn't understand if the mother had separate assets that were in a trust that the girls felt they were... I just kept spinning my wheels... Being yeah. like, it's the fucking dad's money, and the daughters are mad that he's not giving them financial information about right. it. And, and Roberta was like, we're not asking for money, we're asking for information. But to which I said, that's still 
his private financial information. Yeah. You actually are not entitled to and it. Maybe that's why they were trying to say to the cops, no, my dad is losing his mind. My dad's slipping into dementia right. so that they would have more legal access to be able to look at his books because he's not giving them the access that they want and they are fucking yeah, mad about it, which makes me mad at them. I was like, Daisy, try to pull this shit with me. See how it goes. Yeah, you just, you don't have, and I mean, in the words of the Holy Grail, he's like, I'm not quite dead yet. Like, right. it's yeah. still his money. I realize he's 81, but everyone kept like testing that his mind and yeah. testing him. I did not understand why the sisters were all up in arms at and all. And it just makes them look greedy. And yeah. if you're listening to the sisters, I'm not saying that you are. I'm just saying that's what it looked like in the episode. Yeah. And so it makes you also look suspicious when your fucking dad goes missing. Well, guess what? Bob thought it was suspicious too because he doesn't talk to any of his daughters for six months yes. after that altercation. So the, the daughters write the dad a letter saying like, girl, you need to give us, in, legally you have to give us this information. That's the so dad is like, to me. fuck you, yeah. totally flips out, does not talk to the daughters for six months. And so then he calls a family meeting after six months to kind of clear the air. The cops say it was on his calendar. It was right. It was like the day before he went missing. Right. And so the daughters come over and they're sort of telling us about it. That they wanted to talk about the trust. And, like, the disbursement of some of George's jewelry or Which whatever. Which I understand that. Like, if she had, like, heirlooms or something. Again, I want to make it clear. I do not think these women have any right to their dad's no, financials. same. I don't understand it. And they kept saying that as a trustee of their mother's estate. I was like, their mother's estate? Right, right. By the way, this all happens 24 hours before he goes missing. Right. So the police look into this, like, family meeting. Turns out it didn't go well, sis. Right. So they had, like, disagreements, and then they finally, like, after hours or whatever, cleared the air, joked around. But, like, to and- be specific, the daughters are dem- they're screaming at their dad. They want to see the books. Right. When he can't answer, like, very tricky financial questions, they lose them. One of the daughters is described as screaming at him. Right. Then they find other paperwork that seems to, like, calm the time. These women are just afraid about losing their inheritance. It's, That's all it is. It's, it's his fucking money. Right. So then they clear the air somehow, and one of the sisters tells us, quote, everything was fine when we left. According to the sisters. According to the sisters, because Fontel, she's got a different story to tell us. <laughs> Fontel says the conflict was not over the trust. Instead, it had to do with another announcement Bob made. He told the girls that as soon as I got back from Missouri, he was going to add my name to the house, to his checking accounts, and also to the estate. Fontel talked to Bob that night, and he was like, hey, it's not fine. No, Everything is not fine. Fontel is saying that Bob said to her, we didn't talk about the trust at yeah. all. They were mad because I told them I was adding Fontel to the house, the checking account, and the estate. Right. Meaning now she's inherited and the thing is, like, if I'm Fontel, I'm like, if I'm going to give up my fucking life and move out here to be with you, I need security. Yeah. Like, this all makes sense to me that he would do this to say, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be set. Don't worry about Total- it. Of I course. totally believe this version of the story. But, like, again, like, you ask two different people the same version of the story, and you're going to get two different answers. Because Bob's daughters are like, no, we were talking about the trust. Dad would never have told us his personal financial information like that. He never did that. And I'm like, yeah, but maybe he would have in this instance because this wedding was all coming as a surprise yeah and he was trying to convince you that like it was all on the up and up you know what i mean like and then one of the sisters paula was like fontel had nothing to do with this argument and fontel is basically like side-eyeing the camera right and she's like no this is what bob told me happened and the police are like 
Wait, 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 wait. This all happened the day before he went missing? Right, and so the daughters are saying, like, maybe Fontella's in on the killing. And Fontella's like, fuck that. She's like, if I was a gold digger, I would have had my name on the dotted line before I ever left California. Yeah. Meaning, she hasn't been added to the documents yet. That's what the theory about the daughters is that they got rid of him before he was able to add her to the house and the estate and the checking account. Exactly, and they did find that to-do list. Remember the to-do list that was yeah. like, get new checks, uh-huh. put Fontella on the this like so he did have a plan to set all these things in motion he just hadn't done it yet because they just rekindled their romance five minutes ago but my question is they're legally married the thing that makes Fontel look guilty is that she married him on day right. six so like as the wife isn't she entitled to all of that already yeah I yeah it's all so crazy so the girls are pointing fingers at Fontel saying that she wanted the money and Fontel is here to be like if I wanted all that shit I could have taken it. exactly the three girls came to the house and they told me they'd been to see an attorney. And they told me that the attorney advised them to throw my ass out in the street. Remember, Fontella gone home, she was coming back. The day before she got back, the daughters go to see an attorney. They say they went to the attorney to get money for Fontel to help her during this time. But Fontel is saying, no, that attorney told them to throw my ass out on the street, yeah. not even let me in the house. I don't know which one of those. I mean, don't piss on my back and tell me that it's raining. Yeah. Like, please. Like, we were going to go make sure Fontel was, like, all fa- I feel like I'm coming down really hard on the sisters, but, like, I just don't believe these stories. The only thing that makes sense here is that because Bob and Fontel are married, She's entitled to all of this shit unless they can prove that Bob was mentally incapacitated. Right. And they don't say that in this episode, but that's what it sounds like. It sounds like the daughters are trying to say, my dad was losing his mind. My dad was slipping into dementia. This marriage should be nullified. Fontel shouldn't get anything and we should get everything. Like, to me, that seems like the most likely thing that's happening here. Yeah. And, like, shit just gets worse between these two families. Like. Two and a half years go by since Bob was missing. The police aren't talking. There's no suspects. There's not even like a person of interest. And meanwhile, Fontal is living kind of in Bob's house. She lives there till 2015, by the way, until like she finally like gets kicked out. (gasps) She got kicked out eventually? Yeah. What? Yeah. And, like, Fontel and the girls keep taking each other to court. Because the cops are saying, look, this was not a random act of violence. Whatever happened to him happened from the inner circle. And the fact that everyone is fighting makes it really hard for us to investigate. But the cops firmly believe it was either Fontel or the sisters or the husband or Jeff or whoever. But they do not think that Bob, like, walked away on purpose. They don't think that he, you know, took his own life in the woods or something. Like, one of these factions is involved in the disappearance. Yeah, I just think the family behavior comes across really sus. Tell me what what you learned about why did Fontel have to move out? That was her husband. Yeah, so Sergeant Joe Cannell of the Placentia. Placenta? Placentia. Placentia. Paciencia. Paciencia. The police department said, as we began to look deeper, it just seemed that Mr. Herod's disappearance was not of his own free will, and somebody had taken him from his residence, and we believe that he is a victim of homicide. Unfortunately, we still have not found his body. So again, I said, we found out that the loan to Josie was $86,000 over time, but after he married Fontel, he did ask for it back. He asked for the money back from yeah. Josie? Yep. And they were ordered to sell the family home in 2015. She moved back to Kansas. <gasps> and also Fontel passed in August of 2020. Oh, Fontel. Remember where we started with this like sweet love story after 59 years and we ended here? Yeah, I know. But if the plus 
Placentia. Plastia. Placentia. Placentia, California. The Placentia police detect. The Placentia. This is not funny. <laughs> I am a serious. I am a serious mm. podcaster. Mm-hmm. I am Rabia Chadri. <laughs> Placentia police detectives are still working on the case and they can be reached at 714-993-8146. You can also leave information anonymously. Listen, family money and inheritance is really, really dicing. I'm just saying, stay friends, be poor. Like we have the right, nobody in our family's fighting over money. That's all I got to say. But if you know anything that can still help this mystery to be solved, unfortunately, Unfortunately, this love story isn't so lovely. Say no. something funny. Did you tell me last night on the Instagram live that Joey's a top? love you so much. One more with me, girl. Oh One more God. with me. Oh, my God. That took a while, but I we know. got there. We, we got there. We circled the airport and brought it in for a landing. Get ready for Joey Taranto, you guys. He's so, he is very hot. He's very fun. Apparently a top. <laughs> he is also so good on this show. I cannot wait for you to know him and love him. Join us on the Patreon. Every month, you get three full ad-free bonus episodes, plus like a bonus thing, like a call-in show or We're a Zoom We're going to do hang. a Zoom hangout. We had hundreds of people at our Zoom hangout. Remember, I kept thumbing through all the pages so, trying to get yeah. pictures of everyone <laughs> join us on the instagram the disappeared pod i'm still gonna be in there i'm still gonna do besties content i'm still gonna post some shit oh you're so sweet i'm not going anywhere i'm gonna be just outside the booth looking in here telling them to be funnier oh yeah be fun. do something funny joey act more like a top if you're gonna be a top i guess and then he's just gonna throw shit at us you can also follow me at ellen marsh and i spell my name with the y don't forget uh, that sure. i don't know why but who knows i don't know why uh, we love you we guys. love you bye, bye. You are a recluse. <laughs> I'm not. I just live in New York City and I respect the rules. You're in the hallway with your neighbors. You look down. <laughs> Say good morning. You're going to bother somebody? What, do they have to answer you? Totally. I'm fine. I'm I'm fine. What's the one to catch a predator? I'm going to watch every episode. I, sure. <laughs> I I'm just going to go make some iced tea. Okay, and then he's going to come in and it's going to Don't gonna forget like, the condoms. Uh, oh, gross. Oh, my God. <laughs> You guys, I watched Ellen wolf down a fried fucking chicken sandwich and the and the truly biggest basket of french fries I've ever seen mini burping the whole time. I didn't mini burp. You mini burped. I didn't mini burp. It was disgusting. Oh, I'm disgusting. (laughs) You're the one with the zit on your face I can see from fucking space and I'm disgusting. That's mean. Uh, It's it's mean. (laughs) Is anyone still there? I know. I know. Listen, we only got two more. We're really going to make it count. We're going to spill secrets for the next two episodes. Oh, my God. Have You haven't met Jeff, our new editor. He's so amazing. Oh. He makes us so funny. We love you, Jeff. That's, He's that's... also very cute. Okay. Hi, Jeff. Hey. <laughs> 